This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, what is going on? I was in, I was traveling for work, which sounds more exciting than where I was. Scranton, Pennsylvania. Um, but I'm back in the office. In the office, I will say under, uh, I don't know if I say under, I don't think it's rated. Uh, I didn't think that Scranton would have really good food. (laughs) It kind of did. Although I wasn't getting like bougie stuff. Like I I just mean that the takeout sushi I got was good. And then uh, I got a cheese steak last night that I'm still thinking about. Three cheeses, hot peppers and onions. I was like, oh man. I'm still thinking about it. they had Cajun fries too. I was I was in, I was stuck laying down immediately after for the next like three hours, just good because then I had to do the whole, you know, uh Collins <laughs> video I made. But yeah, I was just a uh, gut buster. Definitely a gut buster. It was really good. I shouldn't have gotten fries because it was huge. Well, you know, it's been a good, it's been a good 48 hours for you. That's the, that's the big news, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, nothing's happening in Cincinnati. It's fun. It's funny because if you go on social media 24 hours ago, because we're recording this at 7, 10 PM on a Thursday. And I remember when we recorded earlier in the week, you said, Hey, you know, don't freak out unless you're getting to Monday. There's not a mm-hmm. whole lot of action happening with the Cincinnati Bengals, but Bengals social media was freaking out over the past 24 hours. hours before the Orlando Brown uh, signing or reports of the signing, obviously not officially official till Penn is on the paper. And my guess is he'll be traveling to Cincinnati either tomorrow or over the weekend to make that final. But a lot of people, I've said it before, you got to trust the process. We have to trust, I trust the front office over the last two years because they've gone a different approach. They've spent money in free agency. They either go heavy on the defensive side and then draft on the offensive side, or now it feels a little vice versa, their approach going into the 2023 season. And I was just like, you know what? You got to trust the process. But then I'm starting to watch around the NFL while, while I'm telling people to relax and have patience. I'm like, you know what? They do have to change their approach when it comes to the guarantee money because we keep hearing the Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase contract that's going to come up next year. And it's like, oh, how are they going to be able to afford these guys and spend money in free agency? You know, that stuff doesn't really impact this season that much. It doesn't really impact the next season that much when that is officially official. And if they get both of those contract extensions on this offseason, that's going to be more of your, your 25, 26 contract when you are off your rookie deal with Joe Burrow. But Personally, I'm not going to lie, when that announcement, that notification came through on my Twitter last night around, I want to say a little after 10, I looked at it and I was like, is this a fake Twitter account? I mean, I thought I put the notifications on for these official NFL network insiders, looked at it again, and I thought, no way. Because the thing is, he wasn't even on my radar personally for the Cincinnati Bengals. I was extremely impressed. They were able to get the deal done. But what were your first initial thoughts when you you saw the news of Orlando Brown coming to Cincinnati? Well, like you have to always make sure in the age of butt crack sports that we are looking at real accounts when we do this. I I don't want to get fooled. Um, so find the check mark. Have to make sure it's you know not Twitter blue because that was a great idea. <laughs> and then uh, you know sometimes even if it is Twitter blue, it's still a real person. But then 
read the name. <laughs> make sure they didn't make it Tom Pelissaro with a one instead of an L. And then uh, finally, after like five minutes, probably less, 30 seconds of investigation, uh, I realized this is real. And then I got tagged about 300 times at different places, sent messages about like, did you see this? And uh, half of that is because of what I've said <laughs> the past. But I, I thought, I thought he turned down last year a six-year, $139 million contract. I think that's what people are forgetting. So like, that's why I was anti-signing Orlando Brown. It was just like, no, I, I don't want to pay the guy more than $20 million a year. And I think he, the, the report was basically he's searching for $25 million a year, like a 5-125 deal. And I was like, well, that's almost, that's a little bit ridiculous. Like he's, he's good. He's an above average starting offensive tackle in the league. Um, but you know, $25 million a year. It's like, goodness gracious. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's uh, T Higgins, maybe even plus deal. <laughs> and I'd rather give that to T, but when he comes in at 16 million, cause the first thing I saw was just Orlando Brown. Like, Oh no. Oh no. But then I see the deal and I'm like, Oh, this is, this is actually below where I think I would have projected him. Like in my mind, I'd pay him 18, I think 18 a year, somewhere around there. And it's going to go up or down, whether they front or back loaded. I don't really care about that. Just where I, in my mind, I value it because it's above average offensive tackle play. You're paying a lot of money for it, but that's what everybody does. So that was my thought. And then I see 60 million years like, oh, my goodness. Good deal. And especially for like all the projections had him above 20. So to get him that low is just incredible. And there was that report that day that teams were looking at him as a right tackle in terms of money, I guess, which is why the 16 million makes sense. But to get Orlando Brown, who was the best free agent offensive lineman, as much as I have at times been down on the idea, he was the best. He was the bell of the ball. That's why I thought he'd get 25 million. He got less than Jawan Taylor, who's going to have to switch sides. And then he also got less than Mike McGlinchey. And if you look at it, he got about the same as like Jack Conklin. I'm fully in like these, he's better than all those guys. Like Juwan Taylor was the one I thought basically flip-flopped. I thought you'd pay Orlando Brown 20 million and Juwan Taylor would be 16. That's so why I was like, well, Juwan Taylor makes sense. And especially also right tackle, whatever they are having Jonah try to flip. We can, we will discuss that uh, right tackle, but um, yeah, that's, that's the uh, contract thoughts in my mind. Other than also a lot of guaranteed money, a lot of it up front. And uh, that is not same old Bengals. That is, new wave bangles that is pay core bangles. Yeah. I think, you know, the first reaction for me personally, when you see the numbers come out, you're like, well, that is really surprising because I felt like he kind of bet on, bet on himself when he didn't take that chief deal last year. Mm -hmm. And then he comes here and you get him for about 4 million less a year, uh, which is absolutely insane. And I think what we talk about the Joe Burrow effect a lot, obviously he was playing with Patrick Mahomes. I would say Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow are two of the best top two quarterbacks in the NFL. So of course, He's coming to another winning quarterback. He even said that to some of the NFL insiders. And he said, I'm going to a winning organization. I'm going to a winning team. I'm going to go play with a winning quarterback. And the biggest thing that I saw in, the, in that paragraph was, I'm going to be the left tackle. Mm -hmm. And I think that surprised a lot of Bengals fans. They know he's he's left tackle. But at the same time, it was like, whoa, what does that mean? They're going to move Jonah because that's what every Bengals fan wants right now. They don't want Jonah left tackle. And we'll get to kind of the switch of what the right tackle position will look like. But I think that could have been those conversations that they're having with Orlando. You're going to come here. You're going to be the left tackle for the next four years, maybe longer, depending on how you look out here on this offensive line. We're going to pay you this money. We're going to give you these guarantees up front, which is something we always hear about the Bengals franchise. Some people say, oh, they're poverty. They're poor. They can't make these guarantees. And I'll be completely honest and raise my hand. I knew they had to change their ways when it comes to what they're going to give Joe Burrow, what they're going to give T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and those other contracts that are going to be pretty heavy and high. I didn't think it was going to happen with Orlando Brown. I heard Paul Diener talk about it, a little background inside story of what was going on that day, because it never really felt like they were all in on day one of Orlando Brown. Obviously, you know, feeling the market, listening to that conversation, talking to his agent, see what that number is. And then they get to Wednesday and they were hearing, well, this, this might be a possibility. The Bengals are circling back with Orlando Brown. And for it all just to kind of fall so late when I think a lot of Bengals fans are like, they're giving up, they're not doing anything, they're oh losing goodness. all their players. Uh, this and, and I never really freaked out because I'm like, look, 
you still have your core players mm-hmm. on your offense and your defensive side. I still have faith you'll get you'll get a few safeties or at least one vet safety in there. They're having a few workouts right now. I was never afraid about, it, uh, uh, you know, nervous about what they were going to do. I want them to fix the offensive line, and you got to protect Joe Burrow. But when you bring a guy in of that caliber, we've said it before, he's the best tackle in the free agency class. And um, I think you you bring some security and, and some excitement for what your future looks like when you're protecting number nine in your franchise. And just an unbelievable signing. Uh, we've talked about the last two years when they're bringing in some of these top guys would say t- tier two, tier three. And some people would have Orlando Brown in a, a tier two. Uh, I, I just think it's it's really exciting. It's one of my favorite free agency moves that they've made in the last three years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tier two. Two, I think, although a lot of faces have him tier one. I had him tier two. Um, but yeah, best offensive lineman. I, I don't think you have to say tackle. I think it's just best offensive lineman in free agency. So uh for the quick breakdown, we are 10 minutes in. I don't know that this is one segment. Yep. So quick breakdown. Um, he's really long, he's really big. That's great. That's really margin for error is I think how I would describe Orlando Brown is just his margin for error is huge. He does a lot of stuff that is unorthodox that shouldn't work. And, uh, you know, like there's issues with him technically. And it's why I think some people really can't get past like seeing him as like, not like average or so maybe even slightly below. It's just like, he doesn't, he doesn't do his stuff like everybody else. He doesn't keep his weight. He doesn't stay balanced. Really. He still is a, side to side type guy he's slow <laughs> which expected um but he's so long and he's so big in the chiefs i'll get over the weakness in a second but so long so big so strong i'd say borderline elite strength especially in the run game he can really move guys and that's great for what the Bengals want to do in the run game he's got a really good anchor he's kind of the antithesis of Jonah when it comes to his strengths, really good anchor power doesn't get to him. And he's got very long arms so he can make first contact a lot. You think of Jonah, it's kind of the opposite doesn't handle power well, and he's got short arms. So maybe that's what they just want in the left tackle. Maybe they want one on each side of like, well, at least we've got like this guy over there. Um, other strengths are he's smart. He's really smart. He, he does a great job with Joe Tooney and it is Joe Tooney, but passing off stunts and working with him. I know Cordell Wilson, it's nowhere near Joe Tooney, uh, but, <laughs> you know, I, I think it takes two. Like, Tooney isn't, like, firing guys three yards into um, Orlando Brown, who has no idea what's going on. Orlando knows what's going on. He's tightening down. He's going to have good communication. They've worked together a few years, so hopefully that develops quickly with Cordell. Uh, to go with all that, I think those are all his strengths. He's got some stuff that's in the middle, and then what I don't love is technique when it comes to his feet. I think that is something to get past it. It's hard to get past because sometimes it's like, is this repeatable? But he's been doing it for years. So like, yes. Um, But to go with it, he's not athletic. And the Chiefs started cheating uh, in pass protection. His weakness is going to be a speed rush around the outside. And somebody getting around the outside, being able to bend, get around him. It's why I don't think you leave him alone on Miles Garrett. And I have no idea why Bengals fans are obsessed with that idea. Nobody should be alone with Miles Garrett. But anyway, uh, so speed around the outside. The Chiefs cheated that the same way the Bengals cheated Collins, where they get, get every offensive lineman has about a foot and a half split, and he'll be split out two and a half feet, three feet. Just in the extra split gets him further outside to start. And they would always, not always, they would often run the running back around right off that edge rusher. So the edge rusher would have to run into the running back to get around him. So they're doing smart things that the Bengals should pick up. And I'm going to have a lot of this in an article when you guys are listening to this. Uh, so if you want to see more in depth, but this is the uh, too long, I'm not going to read that. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, he's you give him help that way because he has issues around the outside. He also isn't balanced in his set. So sometimes he'll lose inside, but he generally is able to protect inside out and protect the inside, protect through him. And it's around the outside that gives him a little bit of issue. So that's the quick breakdown there. I think in the run game, he'll miss sometimes because he's not really athletic and I don't think his feet are really that great in the run game either. It just doesn't matter. I think that's the big thing is like, he doesn't, he's not technically sound, and it doesn't matter. His margin for error is so big because he is so big and long that 
he can get away with a lot of this stuff. He never, it's like Dewan Jones has some of these issues in college. And it's like, my mind is saying like, he's got to fix these to get in the NFL. And then you look at Orlando Brown and I'm like, well, does he, <laughs> you know, he might be able to just pass by it, uh, with the, with these issues and be perfectly fine to above average even. Uh, so I like him a lot. I think he is, uh, the, the mic drop, I guess, is he's probably the best offensive tackle that they have had since Andrew Whitworth. I, that's a slight indictment on the tackles that have been here since Whitworth, though, because this, this number one competition is the guy he's replacing. <laughs> well, that's that's what's crazy because I, we're gonna get we're gonna actually move the right tackle conversation in a little bit into our mailbag segment, and I'm sure plenty of Bengals fans will, will be okay with that when we're talking about what the right side looks like. But that that's what made me laugh when a lot of people were kind of down on our the, the ones who were either Chiefs fans or other people on social media. They're saying like, "Oh, he's a top ten or top fifteen tackle," and I'm like, "Have you seen the Bengals' offensive line? That is amazing if you're getting a top fifteen tackle right now or top eleven ten. Um, it's been huge. It's, it's a battle over there on the left side, and it's it's been a minute. So um, I'm sure Joe Burrow was happy when that conversation was final and, and found out he was coming here. I think it's really exciting to see Orlando Brown uh, do some of the ESPN interviews today, and he did one yesterday on NFL Live it was before the announcement, but he just sounds really excited to get to Cincinnati, and he's 26 years old. I mean, this line is still pretty young. I know Ted Karras, I want to say he turned 30 yesterday. Uh, but overall, they still have these guys for a few more years. And, and that's huge for an offensive line that we've been talking about in, in Cincinnati since Andrew Whitworth left, since Kevin Zeitler left. It has been a minute since they've had a solid offensive line. And I think Bengals fans would take this guy in a minute. And they were real. I, I felt very uh, the sense of shocked last night from from the overall fan base and um it's exciting stuff because if you would have told me this was the free agency move that they were going to make or the first external free agency move i would have said nah i don't believe you i didn't believe any of the rumors um it was really never out there besides the nfl rumors account that said it like a week ago look they're throwing spaghetti at the wall i'm not going to give them credit they're just firing spaghetti at the wall seeing a couple things stick and then people give them credit and it's like no i'm not giving them credit i'm sorry No, I, I, just, I mean, but outside of that, no connection with Cincinnati. The, the one I can think of is um, Malik, actually, but it was not this offseason. It was last offseason before he got tagged. And I remember that. And I remember that when he signed. I was like, okay. So this is a guy Malik mentioned that they were interested in before. Um, but I'm not giving credit to the NFL Rumors account. I would, uh, I would block them. <laughs> Well, that's fine with me. Uh, <laughs> uh, we do actually have some uh, Bengals news next. We're going to get to that, and we'll also talk about the right side when it comes to who's going to be there. Is it going to be Jonah Williams? Is it going to be Elio Collins? Or to be determined next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Going to get to those mailbag questions in just a moment, but plenty of offensive line talk in the first segment. I know a lot of people wanted to hear from you when it comes to Orlando Brown. Let's talk right tackle. Uh, It's funny because at the Combine, I heard the quote. I heard them talk about it. They never said Jonah Williams specifically at left tackle. I know Brian Callahan fell in a certain way, really didn't want to move him. And, of course, that's probably before the Orlando Brown conversations are happening with the offensive staff. But Jonah Williams won't be the left tackle next year he's either going to be the right tackle or i don't know where he's going because i know a lot of people are like ship him he off can't. Trade him. it's the same people that are saying ship him off they're saying he was the worst starting tackle in the league and start kept talking about you love the most sex you love the most sex now they're saying you could probably get a third for him it's like well where's the thought process here? <laughs> because if yeah. he sucks how are you getting a third for him <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And, and, and me personally, because I know the Lyle Collins, when you think of this year two of the contract, he's obviously coming back from an injury. And they don't want to put themselves in a situation like a Trey Hopkins when he just he wasn't ready. And he came back that year after the ACL injury. His was in January and Lyle's was in December. But at the same time, you're still trying to recover from that. And you're an offensive lineman. We don't know what that looks like for Lyle Collins. And when it comes to his contract, it really does feel pretty loaded with incentives. If he's playing, that's when you're going to have to pay the guy. But when I think of an offensive line in depth, I want to bring in, I know they brought Cody Ford in right now, um, tackle guard. I don't feel too comfortable with that depth piece, but overall you have Jonah Williams. 
you have Lyle Collins. We won't know what that really looks like because it's March right now. But how do you feel with Jonah Williams over on the right side? Um, it's hard to be overly confident because the last time he played right tackle, I think it's possible I was still in high school. Uh, was it eight years ago? I, yeah. I think that would be my senior year of high school. So not great. I, like if I sat down and tried to do trigonometry right now, it wouldn't go well, but maybe it's like riding a bike. I, I look in my playing days. I never switched sides. I know he played a little bit of right tackle. I don't think he's a natural right. Like what are people? I also don't even get the natural position thing that much because I don't know. It's wherever you play the most, yeah. <laughs> like, you play the most left tackle. So he was naturally a left tackle. I think he's definitely in the mix for right tackle. If I had to bet, I think he wins the right tackle job week one. I think he should be by far the odds on favor because I don't think Collins will be ready. And I don't think anybody else will take that job from him. Um, so I'm intrigued, I think is where I would put it. Now, the one thing that can make him not the right tackle is if they draft one around pick 28. Even at pick 60, that guy could challenge him for the job. I mean, any of these guys could, but like realistically, first or second round guy could challenge him to start week one. So that that's interesting to me. But yeah, I'm mostly just intrigued by Jonah, Jonah Williams' possible transition to right tackle. We have to remember these, these people are people and they have human emotions and he might not be happy with this. So maybe he doesn't want to move to right tackle. And it would totally make sense too. Um, if you were a one year away from your big payday and then they were like, I don't know, your job was like, hey, everything's going to depend on how you do. Um, we're going to have you do a whole different position. You get some time to prepare for it. but And then if you do bad here, you probably don't make any money next year. It's like, I, I would get not doing it. We'll see. I, I hope that's not the case. But like at the same time, I kind of would get it. Like this contract year and you flip him over to right tackle, if he doesn't pan out over there, his contract next year is probably not going to be very big. Uh, so that's the issue. I think he should win the job. I like if I'm predicting everything, I think he wins the job and I think he plays fine at right tackle, hopefully healthy and hopefully not rusty, but probably rusty playing right tackle for the first time in eight years. That's my thoughts on it. Uh, it's just so different. Um, I think people describe it as, you know, wiping with the opposite hand. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not easy. It's not an easy transition, but if you do it enough, you can pass you can survive so naturally he has played so much left tackle that i think that's where he's most comfortable but flipping over to right tackle is okay he's done it and maybe it's maybe it's like riding a bike like i said i've never had to flip i was a left guard every time i played i never had to play right guard you i'm gonna bring up a couple things because you bring up a really great point and when it comes to money everybody thinks left tackle all the money and you're flipping him to the right side in a contract year for him um really felt like the Bengals were more than likely going to move on this was going to be his last year in cincinnati it would be absolutely wild if he worked out at right tackle and he ends up staying. he can make a bigger pay if he does maybe uh if he does work out at right tackle because maybe a team will see him as like tackle flexible but also i think if the team's going to pay him to start they want him to start one position i think it opens the amount of teams that'd be interested in him rather than just being left tackle only but i don't think it would increase the ceiling of his payday if he works out at right tackle which is kind of stinky if he worked out at left tackle last year he gets a big payday if he works out at right tackle i don't think it's the same deal um, so that's where I am on Jonah. Also, uh, don't take victory laps on him losing his job. That's weird. Oh. I saw that a lot of places. And just because you don't like the guy, he played injured last year. He fought through injury. He fought through a dislocate. Dislocate your kneecap and then go fight a 300-pound guy for 30 minutes. That's what he did. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's awesome. Cool that's times. Blood, like, sweat, tears for the team. Like I respect that. And I'm not going to. I'm not going to get on anybody for not playing up to standard. I mean, especially if they're, they seem like a good guy off the field, on the field. I don't understand getting so worked up on his sacks allowed or whatever you're upset about. Cause I thought he was an average player, maybe, maybe below average offensive tackle, which isn't terrible. He wasn't, you know, Bobby Hart out there on the field or off the field. So uh, that's, that's right. I am told I wouldn't take a victory lap. Like if you, it's the same with if Joe Mixon loses his job, don't, take victory laps it's just weird man could you imagine getting fired and then like a group of people walk right when you're trying to leave the building go like whoa we knew she sucked <laughs> it's like I, no it's terrible 
Because right now, like you mentioned, I feel like Jonah Williams is more than likely going to win that right tackle position unless Lyle comes back from the ACL and the back injury and he is just killing it and just fine, which I'm just, uh, my optimism is like a 50%. I hope he fully heals. I hope he fully heals and can fully challenge Jonah Williams' job. And Jonah Williams would be the perfect swing tackle, right? Left, right versatility, by far maybe the best swing tackle in the league. I mean, if someone told me Jonah Williams is on the bench, uh, as a depth oh, he piece. Probably, he probably tried to compete for left guard after that, right? <laughs> I mean, I would be totally fine with that. But you do, I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to get to the questions, even though a lot of these questions are about the offensive line. If you do put Joan on the other side, because we've talked about it before, he's on the left side. He had Cordell Volson, who was a rookie. And, and we, you know, I hope Cordell has a better year. Okay, year two and improves. He was okay. He was enough. Uh, but if you put him on the other side, where we've said it before, I think Alex Cap is the best on the offensive line, and then now you have Orlando Brown too. Um, if that helps Jonah Williams having Alex Kappa, if he is the right tackle, yeah, I think I think that would two veterans working together like that. I because he worked really well with Spain like immediately. So the only issue I see is just the right transition is. You know, he just has to get out. He's a smart guy, though. So I'm not worried about him missing communication calls and stuff because of that. Um, just real quick on Cody Ford, because I know people are going to try to hype him up for whatever, because there are people that are going to hype up anybody they sign. They could bring Bobby Hart back. And I think there's a group of fans and people that will go, like, Bobby Hart wasn't so bad last year, <laughs> start citing stats that might work for them. Um, Cordy, uh, Cody Ford. Uh, has played about the same amount of snaps as Cordell Volson. Actually, less snaps. Cordell Volson, seven penalties, 43 pressures, and five sacks in about 1,300 snaps. And we agree, Cordell Volson, probably like a below-average starting left guard. Like, fine. He's a good part to have on an offensive line. Those guys make the world go around. He's not bad. Cody Ford, 19 penalties, 12 more. 96 pressures, more than double, and 13 sacks, almost triple. In 1,262 career snaps, let's not let's let's not just try to hype this guy up as you know where like maybe it works, maybe it works. He's young. I hope it works. I just shout out good Joe Goodberry for finding those stats. I was just I was kind of blown away because that that's I can't think of like a like that's worse than what Billy Price I think did at guard. That's that's what we're looking at here. Like I think Mark Sharping was better, and I thought that going in. And I guess Cody Ford's worse than I thought because at first I was like Sharping level player, and then I start getting a lot of replies, all sort of stuff. And I'm like, oh boy. Uh, if I look into this more, I I bet I'm gonna say not a Sharping level player, worse than yeah. Sharping. And people got mad about Sharping losing to Chris Jones a lot. Yeah, the AFC Championship game will forever be in a lot of people's minds when yeah. it comes to the backup offensive line. But at this moment, I just hope for health with the offensive line and we don't have to worry about these depth pieces. And I'm still a fan of if you can keep Lyle Collins on the roster or Jonah, depends on who wins the right tackle position. If they go that route and they don't draft someone, um, I want to keep them both on there if you can when it comes to the price tag. And if Jonah Williams works out a right tackle, that's awesome. We're going to go to Damon. Damon, not Damien. That's what his Twitter name is. He goes, I'd like to hear Mike's thoughts on how much Brown Jr. could possibly benefit from playing with a guy like Joe Burrow, who is consistently on time. He's fast. He's in the right spot of the pocket versus a guy like Lamar or Mahomes who kind of play more of an ad lib. Uh, I do think Lamar moved well. And I think that the threat of Lamar's rushing helped him a lot when he played there. I will say Mahomes has gotten a lot better at his pocket stuff uh, over the past year or so. Similar to Burrow's gotten better at it too. Um, but Mahomes does, he is a guy that likes to drift back if he goes anywhere. And that hurts Orlando Brown more than anybody. This is a really good point. Orlando Brown, like I mentioned, loses outside to speed more often than anything else. You can turn that into a win from the quarterback stepping up. So if he gets a firm interior and Joe Burrow likes to step up into the pocket, you think about where he likes to escape and run. It's up the middle of the pocket. It's not around the outside all, the, all that much. So he steps up and those losses turn into wins just because he can ride him around the outside with his length and power. Now, if Joe Burrow's it's basically Joe Burrow will try to consistently be somewhere from five to nine yards of depth, depending on, the concept that he's uh, throwing on. If Orlando Brown knows he's always gonna be at five, nine yards of depth, like three step drop, he's gonna be at seven yards. 
uh, five step drop. He's going to be at nine yards. I know where I need to run this edge rusher around. Even if he's getting him at nine, when Joe Burrow's at nine, Joe Burrow steps up. If uh, he's getting him at seven, when Burrow's at seven, Burrow knows to step up and he, that's where he likes to go. So if he drifts anywhere, he can drift a little bit left, right. And, um, but he likes to step up and he's really on time. I think that also helps because it's a, just think of a line and how long it would take you to draw around the outside, straight through, and then around the inside. Yeah, around the outside is the longest. So <laughs> make him go the longest route. The ball's out. These, And I think that's a big reason why him and Jonah have somewhat similar pressure stats, right? But uh, Orlando Brown has allowed a lot less sacks. And I don't think that's all Mahomes. I think that he makes the guy go around the longest path. So those pressures are maybe a guy arriving right after the throw of the ball and hitting the quarterback or getting a hand on him. So that's my thoughts. It was a really good question. Thanks, Damon. Yeah, it really was. It was something I have yet to hear on social media today. Goose says, how can Frank best utilize this new line setup? You know, if you're assuming Jonah Williams is the right tackle when you think about the run game. Uh, I like a lot of the stuff they were running towards the end of the year, at least after week four, week five, six, seven through the playoffs, that run game of, you know, the gap power, all that type of stuff in there. They don't have, they don't have great, pooling players. I think Cordell Wilson's a fine pooler, but I like Alex Kappa mauling more. I like Orlando Brown mauling straight ahead more. Um, Ted Karras didn't do well when he pulled. I thought Jenna Williams pulled fine. So that'll be the interesting part is who are you going to pool and where and when are they going to try to play with, this is going to be a tight end question. Are they going to try to play with a five man surface or a six man surface more often? And what I mean by that is just the offensive line, five people, or I mean a six people as in a tight end is part of this blocking. He's not just running across the formation. Like he's actually part of the blocking unit, like a Darnell Washington or some guys that can get in free agency. I think that's an interesting thing to look at. And, uh, they'll run a lot of inside zone as well. And all that fits Orlando Brown. The thing that doesn't fit Orlando Brown is what they used to run the wide zone stuff. I think wide zone with the Bengals is dead. Although I thought that before the year, I think this is another nail in the coffin. They've just been so much better at running from shotgun and running all these power gaps concepts that I don't really understand why they would go back to the under center wide zone stuff. I wouldn't, I think he fits the shotgun run game. So I really wouldn't go back under center unless it's, you know, kill clock or quarterback sneaks. A lot of good questions, and I'll go to one more in the segment. Jordan Smith says, does the outlook for Joe Mixon change with the Orlando signing? Not really, unless uh, – I've always thought that the Joe Mixon thing could happen in conjunction with a move. Like, they bring in – I mean, my first thought was to say Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. I just don't know if it's realistic. Like, if they are going to bring in a Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, then you cut Joe Mixon, then, it you know, his, whatever, 12 – million dollar cap hit or something is five basically this year because you gain seven from the joe mixon contract or something like that so well i don't know what you think about it i don't think it has a huge effect they do have less money to play with so maybe they're more incentivized to cut him if they have a chance to sign a high level safety or tight end but to me i think it's more so kind of a nothing burger for the mixon deal i think the mixon deal happens with if they can get another big free agent i still think that they're going to draft a running back um, I don't think it happens at 28, but I do think at some point, um, maybe in one of the early rounds, they'll draft a running back. And I feel like those conversations are happening with Joe Mixon behind the scene. I'm not a huge fan of the restructure of the contract, the more I think about it. And I would just do the pay cut. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what people mean when they say restructure is just, well, I, takes the pay cut. I know a lot of people are like, well, you can just kind of move the money, move the money to a future. And I don't want to move yeah, the money. Old, you know, that is when you usually restructure, it's with a guy you know is going to be on the team. And if Mixon's already 50 50 to make the team, you're probably not restructuring to move the money into next year. You don't want less money to play with next year. You're in a Super Bowl window. So it's cut. And, you know, you take that loss right now, the, the dead cap, but you also gain money. And then they have nothing the next couple of years or pay cut and you don't lose any money next year you just gain money this year it's interesting i will see what happens there but um yeah i i think when people say restructure because i've actually made that mistake that flub of uh say restructure when you actually mean pay cut and some of that is also the connotation with the word i don't love 
I just don't love the pocket watching, even though I have to kind of do it. <laughs> right. I don't, I don't love looking at a guy's money and being like, Oh, he has to make less or something. You know, pay cut. I think it's like restructure because I don't want to say pay cut. But that's what I mean. Yeah, no, 100%. I do think that they have to go uh, cheaper in the running back room and, and they can still do that. But those moves to be determined if they decide, hey, they're going to wait till June 1st or if they're going to keep Joe Mixon. We'll find out. I know he obviously wants to be a part of this team and he'd probably be open to those conversations when you look at the running back market to take that pay cut or restructure, however we want to word it. Um, I just don't want to put that money in the future years. I, I, I don't mm -hmm. think that's necessary. I think that'd be a bad move and I don't see this front office making a bad move like that. Uh, I'm not saying if they keep Joe Mixon, but the restructure in the future uh we'll move on because safety tight end they're moving on from hayden hurst more conversations the outlook when it comes to free agency for the cincinnati Bengals on it's always game day in cincinnati this is it's always game day in cincinnati with lindsey patterson and mike santagata We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati free agency. I would say it's winding down, but honestly, it was pretty busy on Wednesday. Thursday was an okay day. Friday, you know, my pickup. A lot of these players are doing the visits with teams. There's still some major names out there when you look at the tight end market. Personally, I, I think a lot of Bengals fans um, have a few guys in mind, and the tight end room is uh, pretty light in Cincinnati right now. I still feel like they bring Mitch Wilcox back for a depth piece, maybe at a lower number, unless his market is okay, and he, and he ends up signing a couple million dollar deal with another team uh, with the time he was on the field with Joe Burrow last year. But I've always said, if you're a tight end, you want to prove yourself go play with Joe Burrow for one year and your market's going to go really high because yes, Hayden Hurst was a nice piece on this offense. He wasn't a major piece on the offense and he's in the 20 millions. Um, no surprise for him to go ahead and take that and congrats to him to go with the Panthers and get that deal. CJ Uzama last year with the New York Jets. I'm okay with Cincinnati not giving him that contract. Uh, but yeah, if you want to come here, play one year, get a multi-year deal elsewhere the following year, this is a great place for you, uh, for Joe Burrow to get you paid. When you look at some of the tight ends that are available right now, I know you've been a, an Austin Hooper guy. Um, do you see any I, other oh, I'm just saying I think that one's realistic. I'm not, at least not my favorite. I just Not I your just favorite, think... a Cincinnati fit. <laughs> I think he's a Cincinnati fit just because he fits uh, the blocking element of everything. But um, yeah, continue. Sorry. I just I want to no, defend myself. No, I don't know if I want to, I don't know if I want to be the Austin Hooper guy. Well, you know what? Watch him, watch him sign here and he goes off. Uh, but no, okay. I should take that back. You said he was kind of more of a fit for Cincinnati or more of a Bengals tight end kind of pick for one year, uh, maybe two years, depending on what that's going to look like. I personally think if they bring a Ben in, it's going to be a one-year contract and they'll draft a tight end just because this is a loaded tight end draft class. But out of all the free agents who are available right now, are you surprised any of the big names are still out there? And do you think the market is getting better for the Bengals every day? Yes. Uh, the only tight end signed, there's Josh Oliver who got a huge deal, which is really surprising. Well, huge for what I thought. $7 million a year was really surprising. His projected was $3.5 million a year. Um, and then other than that, it's like Chris Manhurts, Andrew Beck, Eric Sauber, basically camp bodies or special teamers. Robert Tunyon did sign with the Bears. And uh, Evan Ingram, recently, you know, he franchise tagged by the Jaguars. And then Hayden Hurst obviously went to the Panthers. That still leaves quite a few guys. So you just run down the list of Dalton Schultz. He's the big fish, I think. I think some people would argue Gesicki is. But to me, Schultz is probably the bigger fish. By consensus, uh, according to the free agency board that I do with Jake Lisko, Joe Goodberry, and James Rapine, he's 25th. And um, Gesicki is 40th. So there's a bit of a difference there. But Gesicki's number two. And that, I think, I don't know if there are players for either one of those guys. After that, in the same tier for me, not for everybody, but for me, in the same tier after that is Austin, is Austin Hooper, Foster Moreau, <laughs> and uh, a one-year contract for Mercedes Lewis just because I, no. <laughs> oh, I love him. He's such a good blocker. He's such yeah. a good blocker. That's the one thing is that would happen and you draft Mayor. Like that's one of those like Lewis on a two-year <laughs> – on a one sorry one year one year like three million dollar deal and then you draft austin hooper some exciting guy and that you know now you've got your real tight end and then you have your you know fake tight end receiver guy 
and that'd be great. I, I don't know. I'm just a Mercedes Lewis guy, so I'll get rid of him. But <laughs> Austin Hooper and Foster Moreau, I have in the same tier after that, along with um, Irv Smith Jr. So that's just what flavor do you like in that group? Because to me, Austin Hooper, Foster Moreau, and Irv Smith all to different levels can block. I think Austin Hooper might be the best blocker of the trio, but I haven't watched all of them in a little while. So, but then Foster Rowe and Irv Smith are more dynamic receivers, although Irv Smith not as reliable as the other two. Austin Hooper, probably the most reliable of that group. He has really good hands. So that's where I am on tight end. Is there's a lot of that. And then who do they go after? If they go after Gesicki, to me, that means they're probably five-man surfaces and full spread because he can't stay in line and block. Legitimately, that's why he wasn't getting snaps for Miami. They wanted him to get snaps. But Adam Shaheen can at least get in somebody's way. Like that's the issue is you try to run some stuff and it's like, well, Gesicki can't get in that guy's way. Or, you know, if he does, he just gets run over. That's why I'm a little bit more, I like going a tier down for probably less money and getting Austin Hooper, Foster, Moreau, Irv Smith types and just like a one year deal or something. This doesn't feel right. But did you know Austin Hooper is younger than Hayden Hurst? No. I, I wouldn't have said Two that. Two years. No. It's like Hayden Hurst. Okay? I think people, people think of Austin Hooper as probably like a geriatric man, but he's younger than Hurst of one year, but it's still he's younger. I was I was shocked. That's why I brought it up. It feels like um, Hayden Hurst, I didn't realize it, but after this season, it felt like he... I don't know, got older like two years and one year. I don't know. I was like, well, he's pretty young. He's okay for a one-year deal. And now I'm like, wait, he's kind of old now. He's 30? He was, he was here for one year. And I'm like, yeah, he's, he's too he old. He came into the league old. Like that's that's uh, doing the smallest amount of research possible. I think he came in the league at like 25 years old. That's or 24. So he came in old. If you're a tight end and you played with Joe Burrow, CJ Uzama Hayden Hurst, do you give Joe Burrow like a gift basket? Because there, it's insane the, the number that both of them. I feel it's pretty insane because I don't think Hayden Hurst's numbers were that crazy or anything like that. He missed a few games this year. Yeah, I think um, gift basket would work. I also think, you know, you could go on a podcast and kind of trash the organization too. That would also. <laughs> you think Aaron Rodgers takes the Joe Burrow leap this year with the Jets? <laughs> I mean... Do you think CJ Kusama makes the team? I don't want to be rude. He probably does, but oh my goodness, they have so many tight ends. They just trade for Darren Waller. And they want Mercedes Lewis. They want Mercedes. He's on the list. I have competition. He's on the list. I thought you were making a joke because Aaron Rodgers. It's it's not no, as they drafted um the Ohio State guy last year too. I know. And, and they have their starter wasn't even Uzama last year. It was uh Tyler Conklin. Yeah, that's what's can you crazy. Have five tight ends on an active roster. Like I don't think you can. Go back to my Twitter page from a couple days ago. I said, I think the Jets have 100 tight ends on this roster because there were rumors that Mercedes uh, Lewis was actually one of the tight ends that Aaron Rodgers brought up to the New York Jets to talk to. And I was like, what? That team doesn't need another tight end. Uh, the Bengals have zero tight ends right now. And this team has like five or six. Uh, but yeah, no, it is actually pretty crazy. But good, good for those oh, tight wait. ends. Oh, my goodness. I mixed up my New Jersey teams. Darren Waller's a giant. Okay, four tight ends on the roster. That actually makes sense. Yeah, they have a few. They have quite a few. Okay. Uh, I was, man, when that happened, I must have just saw Jets, and I was like, oh, my goodness, they're stupid. And I was like, no, it's me. No, 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 no. I mean, they're both in New Jersey. My reading comprehension. It was my lowest ACT score. Same location, technically. Yeah. Uh, Geography, I got a minor in. So, you know, it makes sense. Just, I mean, just kind of the same locker room. Well, maybe a different locker room, but same place. I don't, I don't think it's the same locker room. Zach Wilson infuriates two locker rooms at once. I mean, that whole Jets thing is, I, I and I, I'm going to get to the safety Aaron position. Aaron Rodgers in both locker rooms. Sorry. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers has Aaron Rodgers doesn't have a locker room. He's part of the, the front office. He sits you're upstairs. Right, you're right. Him and Russell uh, Wilson, they get their own office. <laughs> I swear that's gonna blow up in the Jets face. And I'm here for it because keep keep adding to the AFC. Keep telling me how loaded the AFC is and it's gonna oh, make the AFC East loaded. Let, let the Bills lose more games. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all in. 
And at the end of the day, it's going to be Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes. And, and, and I just, I feel that way. We, we saw it two years in a row and it, and you keep loading it, keep loading the AFC. I don't need, I'm not even worried anymore. It's just the way it is and bring on all the competition uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals. Not, not too worried about it. I hope I don't jinx the team right now, uh, but let's go to the safety position because move on from Von Bell, move on from Jesse Bates. Dax Hill is your starter. Taylor Rapp report uh, as we were recording this podcast he actually visited the Patriots today and he is one of the safeties that will be visiting with the Cincinnati Bengals uh, Nick Scott was another safety that visited with them as uh, Thursday we're recording this on a Thursday visited with them on a Thursday they have yet to make a safety signing I still feel like they're going to bring a vet in because Luna Rumo actually talked about that this week he'd feel comfortable if they uh, brought a vet safety in I don't think they're going to run with Tyson Anderson as the other safety alongside Dax Hill and I think that's a smart move when you think of the secondary what do you know about Taylor Rapp starter for the Rams for a while um yeah I mean I'm kind of into Taylor Rapp to be honest I'm almost a little more intrigued with Nick Scott and I know that is a spicy take for what I see on Twitter where everybody seems to be in love with Taylor Rapp, but I think he's more so fine. And Nick Scott also probably just fine. I'm happy with either one. <laughs> um, same tier for me, I think. But yeah, I, in my mind, I'm like, well, Nick Scott's really intriguing to me because he hasn't started very long and he did pretty well when he was asked to start. So that. I like Taylor Rapp, though. I'm not going to try to say that I, I don't I don't enjoy his game. I think this is where I am is basically I made the tweet about it where I said there are still a lot of safeties out there. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, John Johnson, Terrell Edmonds, Julian Love, Taylor Rapp, Adrian Amos, Rodney McLeod, and Deron Harmon. I didn't even know Nick Scott was a free safety. Or Sorry, I well, free safety, I guess. But I didn't even know Nick Scott was a free agent, but he would be on that list as well. So... It's like eight guys. I'm not nervous about safety yet. Like I, I said, three names is when I'll start getting nervous. This is such a wave three signing to me. You sign a starter. You don't. You probably don't get Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Do you get John Johnson? I think Terrell Edmonds is a fine fit. I think Taylor Rapp's a fine fit. I think Nick Scott's a fine fit. So like, oh, there's there's plenty of guys out there. And even if you wanted to get geriatric a one-year deal for a 35-year-old Kareem Jackson is on the table. And I don't mean to be rude. 35 is not really old. It's just NFL old. Oh, it's, it's old in the NFL. It's old in the NFL. <laughs> but, you know, it's not like – I mean, like, there's not a whole lot of – besides, I mean, we were just talking about Aaron Rodgers. And he's Mercedes Lewis. 40. Yeah, Mercedes <laughs> Lewis. But, but no, I, I think – I honestly think they're going to try and go – they're going to go vet. Probably not 35-year-old yeah, vet. But, hey, who knows? I think Chauncey is using the Cincinnati Bengals as leverage. As leverage. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a little, he deletes tweets. He mm -hmm. um, has Bengals players retweeting him. You have Cam Taylor Britt saying. If well, they want him, of course. He's the best safety <laughs> available. If you're, if you're Cam and you're Cheeto and you're Mike Hilton, you say, yes, bring on all the safety. And I just, and I've said it before, when it comes to the Jesse Bates contract, when we knew they were going to move on with him, they don't value that position at a high number. They value wide receiver. They value quarterback offensive line. We're starting to see when it comes to the tackle position, but when it's a safety position, I don't see them giving Chauncey $11 million a year. I don't see them giving 10, not nine. Maybe eight is when a conversation could possibly happen, but does he want to take a pay cut when he can probably get that with another team? I, I think it's all a leverage situation. I know that they're bringing guys back who they said they were going to cut when you think about the Eagles defense. Me personally, I would like that safety money that I think a lot of Bengals social media get excited when they see that that hot name. I'd rather that go to T. Higgins. I'd rather that go to Joe mm -hmm. Burrow's contract. Um, just get a guy who can start because I still believe in, in Lou Anarumo with the secondary. Yeah. Um, the one thing about Nick Scott is he is older than you would think. Uh, that was the one thing that was surprising for me was Nick Scott is, I believe, 28. He's only started two years. So I was thinking he was like 25. And then I said, oh, 28. That's, that's a little up there. Taylor Rapp, the other player that they have brought in, is 26. Julian Love's 25. Sherelle Edmonds is 26. Chauncey Garner Johnson's 26. Like they're probably going after one of these guys that's under 30. Mm -hmm. And especially that 25 to 26 area, that seems to be a sweet spot for them. So uh, Nick Scott doesn't fit that, but he's, he's still like low miles on the tires. Cause he was like a seventh round pick. So he didn't start much. He played some special teams, but those are a lot of safeties out there. Like at worst, you probably end up with a guy that starts one year 
and that's fine. You just survive a year and you're back in the market again next year and you still have money for it. So that's, that's, that's where I am on it. I don't know where you are, but I am not sweating the safety market at all. No, no. And, and I think we still don't know what Dax Hill is. Um, a lot of people were down on him and he never even got the chance to play in his position last year when he was getting any reps on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I, I do have faith in what he's going to be able to bring to the safety position. I just, I know it gets exciting during free agency when you see these hot names and you're like, well, they have all this money. They can give it to this player. And I just, I'd rather not. And, and, and there's a reason that Jesse Bates isn't on this roster anymore. Um, it's, it's because they weren't going to throw, they, they had a number with Jesse Bates and they didn't want to go above that. So, I don't see them. And look, I'd love to be wrong because I was wrong about Jermaine Pratt. He is back. I didn't think Orlando Brown was coming to Cincinnati. And um, I thought Von Bell was coming back. So if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I mean, your defense gets better. But personally, I'd rather just that money go to, I mean, maybe you bring in a, a vet tight end that you're paying a little more money to for a one to two year deal and you draft the tight end. Um, but I'm just not, I'm not really strong with, with giving a safety a lot of money. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm not find a starter and don't like I'm if they sign Chauncey Gardner Johnson, it's hard not to be excited about that. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I would, like, I would love very it. Exciting time. I'd be like, yes, yeah. good job. Great money. Good, you know, great contract, but personally, and especially like front loaded or something, do all that. Maybe you can make it work, play Tetris and still get the T Higgins contract to fit in there. I just, I'd rather T Higgins, any of those guys, I'd rather T Higgins than any free agent right now. Uh, I think Dalton Schultz is my next highest. Was, let's see. Do, do, do. Dal yeah, Dalton Schultz and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. So if I, yeah, same tier. I have them both in tier two. Uh, if I'm like, you know, if I like T more than those guys, uh, T would be a tier one free agent. That's where I am on it. So, yeah, not sweating free agency with the safeties. I think they're going to slow play it right now because it's been a slow burn at, free, at safety. So they, they have no reason to try to speed themselves up. The reason to speed yourself up for Orlando Brown is he's the He's eye up there. I don't think they're in the Chelsea Gardner Johnson market. So there's a lot of these tier three, tier four safeties, and they are perfectly fine taking their time on this and getting a guy for the right money, just like they did with Brown. Yeah. Every day that goes by, I feel like is uh, good news for the Cincinnati Bengals. And this free agency has been pretty quiet over on the NFL, but a great move by the Cincinnati Bengals. Again, not officially official, but you know, he's talking about it and uh, all the NFL insiders have talked about it for your deal. He's coming to Cincinnati to protect Joe Burrow on the left side. And I will have plenty when it comes to free agency. We'll be back next week. Uh, maybe some more moves for the Cincinnati Bengals. And uh, I know you're busy on over on all Bengals. What's up there right now? Obviously, it's going to be Orlando Brown article. That's good. That's a good move because we were talking on Tuesday and you're like, you know, maybe I'll go draft prospect. Maybe As I'll I was like, I don't know if they signed anybody worth writing about. <laughs> if it was I mean, just Cody like, Ford, I'd skip it. <laughs> I'm not writing about him. I think, you know, Orlando Brown would do pretty good. So, yeah. you know, that might be the route you want to take. And uh, I know you have great clips over on your Twitter page too. I think great breakdowns. If uh, Bengals fans, they need to follow you. Bengals underscore Sand. You'll have all that. And then online, all Bengals. Again, we'll be back next Tuesday to recap what has happened in the last few days for the Cincinnati Bengals when it comes to free agency. You can follow me at LNDS Patterson. But thank you for listening too. It's always game day in Cincinnati.